Welcome to the Spotlight Hollywood Edition, where we talk to the stars of television and film and those that work with them. This week, it's going to be Kinte and I. Miosha is off on another assignment. But Kinte, how's it going? I'm doing good. I'm really happy. And, you know, it's just a great day. And uh, out here in Los Angeles, I'm a little hot, but that's okay. We're good, though. <laughs> You know, we're getting fall weather here in Ohio, and it's getting a little cool. You kind of have to wear a jacket already. Already? Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Now, I I hear that you got a surprise uh, a couple, well, maybe not a surprise, but you got something in the mail a couple of days ago. I did. I got yam good cookies from uh, our friend Narcisse. And, oh, my God, these things are fantastic. They're sweet potato, pineapple, and coconut. And people, you know, I'm going to tell you, you, you might, like, cringe at the word yam, but they don't taste yammy at all. They kind of taste like pumpkin cookies. They are so good. Mm, I, you know, I, I've had my yam good cookies, and I love them a lot. So I, I can imagine that you had a good time with yours. Oh, yeah, I'm still having a good time. And, you know, I took, I got a couple of these little sample bags. People, she's got these sample bags that has like six or something in them, little bite-sized ones. I took them to work with me, and everybody was loving on them uh, yam good cookies. They were like, where'd you get those? So I was passing out cards, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. So, you know, check it out. Make sure you get your yam good cookies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yummy yammies. All right, so what have you been watching on on the television front? Gosh, you know, I I really am getting excited for the new stuff to start. But um, my old stuff, you know, that I've been watching is is slowly coming to an end. Um, Let's see, Unforgettable, uh, the show with the police officers that are, you know, solving murders right and left, and mostly because one of the women has a memory that is unforgettable. She remembers everything she sees. And, you know, that's got to be great for, like, card games and stuff. You know, you always know what people have played, like, all the way through the game. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking I really wish I had that superpower. <laughs> um, and then Satisfaction. Oh, this show, you know, it's really intrigued me. Um, but... Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen next week. This week, it kind of uh, alarmed me where it was headed because somebody got a gun. Um, or No, it wasn't a gun. They got something. We don't know what it was exactly. But you just don't know what's going to happen. And I was like, please make it good because it's been like nice and interesting so far. I don't want it to get ugly. So we'll see what happens, though. We shall see what will happen. Uh, I got to, you know, th- that show I'm trying to get into, I haven't checked it out yet, but uh, by the way that you talk about it, it must be a very good show. It is interesting. I mean, it's totally different than anything we've seen, I think. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, so we shall see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been watching a couple of things, and uh, 
one show that I've fallen in love with, and I know a lot of people are have mixed feelings about it, but I think it's a brilliant show, The Leftovers. Uh, the season uh, one finale was last Sunday. I thought it was excellent. It made me excited that there's going to be a season two. So mm-hmm. if you haven't checked it out, it may not be your cup of tea, you know, because it's not a very fast-paced show or anything like that. But uh, it's a slow burn. But I, it's right up my alley. And yeah. I really, yeah, I really, really like the show. Uh, so we have that show. And then the season, uh, final season premiere, uh, I believe it's season five of Boardwalk Empire. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. And that was really good as well. So that, you know, those two shows. But also a show I got it. I can't not talk about. And that is the season, the final season premiere, season seven premiere of Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I have to say, look, I am not a prude. I am not someone that, you know, shrinks at violence. But I have to even say, you know, that season premiere was bloody. It was a bloody mess. You know? Oh, no. I mean, it was good. It was really good. The episode was good. But it was way the violence was even over the top for that show. So, you know, uh, it started out in a crazy place. I mean, you had uh, people being drugged uh, by chains. You had a swastika uh, etched in someone's chest. You had a fork stabbed in the back of someone's head. I mean, it, it was crazy. <laughs> oh, it was man. crazy. I mean, you had nudity. You had everything. And uh, it was a long episode. It was uh, it was two hour, two and a half hours, mm. and um, but that's including they had like a a show where they had the creator and the star Charlie Hunnam, as for and Katie Segal, who is the the creator's wife, who's the star of the show too. So they had like a thing where they interviewed them. So so it was called After Anarchy, I believe. Was the oh, name of the cool. program? I love those kind of things where you actually talk to the, hear from the people that created it. Yeah, yeah, and it was really good. It was entertaining. It was very insightful because Charlie Hunnam, the star who plays Jax Teller, he doesn't do interviews really. So to uh-huh. see him in an interview was, you know, it was pretty good. He only does like red carpet type stuff. So you know, he seems like he's kind of shy. Maybe I don't know if that's what it is. Uh-huh. But yeah, so uh, good, good show, good start, uh, very bloody start, and. We'll see how the, the season uh, progresses. Did you see uh, our friend Kevin uh, Hamadani uh, is doing a Indiegogo uh, fundraiser for a new movie he's done? Yes, or he's written? yes, yes. Um, that looks really good. Yeah, well, you know what we have to do is include it in the show notes. And we got to get him back on to, to talk about it. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah. Kevin, if you hear me, come on back on. Talk to us about this new movie you're working on. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he was a great guest, and he has a lot of great content. So yeah, we definitely got to, you know, do that. All right, so let's get to the weekend box office. And uh, I think there might be a surprise at the top. Maybe not. <laughs> I, I say that jokingly. Uh, we have a number 10, Lucy, which I saw a couple of days ago. That was a, that was a very good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. Number 9... We had, and actually, uh, just to let people know, Lucy was out of the top ten, and it creeped back in the top ten. It was at number eleven last week, so that's mm-hmm. interesting. Go Lucy, go Lucy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's word of mouth. It, it's a huge hit, and they're talking sequel, by the way. Oh, I can't wait for a sequel. I loved that movie. 
Number nine, the hundred foot journey. Uh, number eight, when the game stands tall. Number seven, the giver. Number six, ab- as above, so below. Number five, the November man. Number four, if I stay. Number three, let's be cops, which last week was at five, and it creeped back up to three. So that says a lot. And then uh, number two is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Once again, uh, it's just killing at the box office. And number one for the sixth straight week, Guardians of the Galaxy. And that is your top ten. So, You know, I was at this little diner that I go to, and the waitress was like, you know, I got to tell you, she's like, I didn't think I would like it, but the movie Guardians of the Galaxy was awesome. I would see it again and again. It was so funny. <laughs> so it's got to be good. I got to go see it. I have not seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's different. It, it looks like it's different. So it's a, a lot of uh, humor involved in this one. So, All right, so let's get into what comes out this week, this weekend, I should say. Ah, yes. This is the weekend of September 11th, September 12th as well. Uh, we have Dolphin Tale Two. I think you were a fami- you were a fan of the f- original, right? Yeah, and you know, I I really love these movies that are based on true stories, mm-hmm. and this one is based uh, originally on um, a dolphin named Winter that was injured and uh, lost part of it, lost its tail really, and they they actually uh, used a prosthetic tail to help it swim again, and now Dolphin Two. Uh, winter, the dolphin gets a friend named Hope. Hey, our <laughs> guest coming up is Hope Wilson. So, uh, you know, she might like it that a dolphin's named after her. <laughs> <laughs> she might like that, yeah. yeah um, another film coming out is The Drop. And The Drop is a, a film that I, I wasn't aware of, but it looks like it might be a, a pretty good film. It has a, a very interesting cast. It has Tom Hardy is in it. You might, you guys remember Tom Hardy from a lot of really good movies. It also had the late James Gandolfini is uh-huh. in this film as well. So, you know, definitely a, a good cast, and it's a very dramatic film, it looks like. So definitely, if you see it, please let us know what you think. And No Good Deed. And this is a film starring Idris Elba and also Taraji P. Henson. And it's one of those films where... Uh, you know, a, a woman played by Tara IGP Henson is is uh, trapped in a house, and uh, Idris Elba plays like an escaped prisoner, I believe. And you know, they he terrorizes her in some way or something like that. It's like a thriller. You so know, those things I have trouble watching because then I like am like up night after night after watching those things. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Sam Miller, so. Those are the films coming out. There's other films coming out as well. Uh, you can go to www.comingsoon.net to see the other films coming out. And uh, tell us what you think. If you see anything, post it to our our Facebook page, which is uh, forward slash the Spotlight Hollywood Edition. And you know, let us know what you think about the films that are coming out this weekend. Our guest is actress Hope Wilson. And we have a clip from her performance on the TV series on TNT, The Last Ship. Here's the clip, and on the other side, we'll be joined by actress Hope Wilson. This is the last sample I'll need while we wait for the results from your first test. I promise. You're being very brave. 
I do apologize. I'm the one who's sorry. I made things so difficult for the soldiers that came to rescue me. After the virus came, there were many stories of men in suits like that with guns. Weird that they came to kill the sick people, not to rescue them. Hello, and as I said earlier, this is a clip from the TV, TNT series, The Last Ship, and we are joined by actress Hope Wilson. How are you doing? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about the TV series, but as we like to do all the time, we like to go back, 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 back in the day and get an idea about you and how you came into the business and where you're from and all that stuff. So the first question I'd like to start off with is, uh, where are you from originally? I am originally from Nigeria. Um, I was born in the UK, and I grew up back and forth between London and Lagos, Um yeah, and then my family actually won the American Visa Lottery, and we wound up moving to the States. Now, let me, uh, please, for those who may not know about the uh, the Visa Lottery, please explain it to us. Uh, okay, so as far as, as far as I recall, basically what um, what happens is it's a, they have this green card lottery, and then there's a quota for certain countries around the world, and they are, you know, for underrepresented cultures and ethnicities. So they offer it around the world, and every year there's a draw, and you can apply. And if you win, you're automatically given, uh, you know, after meeting certain requirements, you're able to qualify for a green card for you and your immediate family to move to the States. And after a few years, you qualify for citizenship. And I think it's also a way for the States to kind of draw, like, you know, the best and the brightest from around the world because you, you have to meet, like, certain requirements in order to be able to um, qualify even just to apply, I think. Great. So um, how old were you when you um, came over to the States? Um, I think I was, I was a preteen. Yeah. So we came over in the late 90s. And my mom applied, and she's the one that went, and we all we all moved. We lived in Buffalo, New York. It was the first place I moved from the state, um, from Nigeria, and it was a pretty, you know, it's quite the difference from <laughs> <laughs> from the Nigerian heat, definitely. And had you been doing any acting in elementary school or junior high? No, not at all. I was pretty much on a pretty straight path. I was um, I was pre med. Um, I went to UC Santa Barbara. I was a microbiology major, and that was pretty much what I was, you know, set to do. Um, how I wound up in the business, I did a little bit of acting in high school, but I wasn't great. Like, I was I was so shy. I was painfully shy in high school, and, I mean, even in the acting class that I was in, I think I won... I won an award for most improved actress, which I think is sort of a backhanded compliment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that's how I couldn't. I was so in my shell; it was it was painful. Um, but I think in in university, in my last year, I was told I had too many units, so I had to either move, um, take classes as an extension student, or go somewhere else to finish my courses. And I came across um, an internship opportunity and I said well if I got the internship I would move to LA and I got it and I wound up moving to LA to finish my courses and also do the internship and I kind of kept getting drawn into the business here and here and there. 
Now, a lot of people who act, they are they tend to be shy, and they use the stage or the screen as a way to get out things that they may not be able to do in person. Would that would you say that would be you? I would say that that is definitely me. I think, and I feel like some people are like taken aback by it. They don't understand. Like, why are you in show business? How can you be shy and be in show business? It seems like such a contradiction. But I think that. Um, for me, it's an outlet. I'm very, very pensive. I tend to observe things a lot, and um, before I and I take a moment to kind of like open up. Like my friends even nickname me. They say I'm, I'm like a turtle, you know, like I'm always <laughs> kind of in my shell. But I find it really liberating to kind of you know look at life and experience things from another person's perspective or, um, you know, experiencing emotions or sort of, like, speaking on the behalf of a character or for a different point of view. That's not something that I, you know, I'm very expressive, but I do, it takes me a while to kind of open up. And I think even sometimes meeting people, they're like, <laughs> they're like, oh, you're so quiet. And I don't know, I just, I'm either really quiet or not quiet at all. I don't know. I think I'm like an introverted extrovert. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm listening to you speak, and um, I don't hear a British accent or a Nigerian accent. So um, um, is it, uh, are you are you having it, are you holding it back, or is, or is... I think, you know what, my friends, or my, what I, I have what I call airport accent, and I think <laughs> it's just kind of like, I end up sort of speaking like wherever I am, I, and I don't, and it's not intentional. Or even sometimes I end up speaking like whoever I'm talking to, and it's not conscious. Like if I'm talking to my aunt, who I've been hanging out with, you know, for the past couple of weeks, I speak to her with a Nigerian accent. When I speak to, you know, my friends back home, I speak with a Nigerian accent because, in a weird way, like it feels like I'm I'm being you know, pretentious or putting it on if I speak with an American accent to them. And then when I'm catching up with, like, my old British friends, I'll start to feel like a British accent coming out. Or even if I'm speaking to anyone with a British accent, I start to, you know, pick up the intonation. So I'm not really sure what that is, but I know a lot of my, you know, Nigerian friends or third culture friends um, have similar experiences. Like, I just, I sort of have a weird thing. I just pick up the intonation of whoever I'm talking to, because I think in my head, I, my brain thinks, oh, I'm speaking the language. So sometimes I'm speaking with accents that are completely unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm not insulting you. I swear it's unconscious. I don't know why I keep doing that. <laughs> so which accent do you dream in? Oh, that's a, ooh. I have never been asked that. That's very interesting. I think I, I dream, I dream the accents of my environment. I don't there know. you go. Yeah, it's very nice. <laughs> I'm not sure I talk much in my dreams. I definitely ah. talk in my sleep, but yeah. <laughs> so growing up, what television shows and movies did you enjoy? I, I really, really enjoyed Garfield. Um, I was a big The Simpsons fan. I was a bit of a tomboy growing up. I really, really liked Ghostbusters. I watched wrestling. Um, I get very... I don't know, but then I also didn't watch a lot of things. I read a lot because um, we didn't really have, like, in Nigeria, the electricity when I was growing up, at least. It wasn't particularly consistent. So I just, my mom just had so many books. So I just spent a lot of time reading more than anything. And I was really, really, really into Enid Blyton books. 
Um, and she has a series called The Famous Five. I was obsessed with The Famous Five. Um, and she has a bunch of other really fun books like The Wishing Chair, The Enchanted Forest. And, yeah, I just would read anything I could get my hands on, even, like, Agatha Christie or, like, Dean Koontz or something, which terrified me. I shouldn't have been Yeah, those that. murder mysteries. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so what inspired you then from all of that to want to try acting yourself? You know, it's it's interesting. What happened for me, I was in my, like, my last year of school for micro, and this is going to sound funny, but I, okay, so, you know, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of The Alchemist, the mm-hmm. power of book. Well, my sister gave it to me, and she was like, you need to read this book. You would love it. And so I remember being at home for a weekend, and I just, you know, I picked it up, and I read it, and I read it in one sitting. And... <laughs> When I finished reading it, I, my heart was, like, pounding. And I just felt like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. You know, like, I felt I was very compelled by it. And, and it got me thinking and, you know, asking a lot of questions. And I sort of asked myself, okay, Hope, you know, if there were no limitations whatsoever, if you were a child and there are infinite possibilities and absolutely no obstacles, you know, imaginable, and you were given a blank sheet of paper, what is it that you truly enjoy? And I kind of felt like, well, that's really silly um, because the only thing I could think of that I actually really enjoy was reading. I was like, so what am I going to do, be a professional reader? Um, that doesn't make <laughs> any sense. And so I kind of just put it aside, and then, but it was kind of still on my mind. So I thought, okay, let me kind of dissect that, you know, a little bit further. Like, what is it that I like about reading? And I thought, oh, well, I really, really like stories. I really, really like experiencing life from another person's perspective. I love just the power of a story to just kind of completely impact you. Like, I'm, I get so invested when I'm reading. Like, I, I don't know, like, I get emotional. I get really wrapped up. I'm like, once I finish this series, I'm still in the world. It's, like, hard for me to, you know, come out of it. And so I thought, okay, perhaps the thing is that you're really passionate about is storytelling and the power of storytelling. And I didn't really know what to do to kind of um, move further with that. Um, but I thought, well, at the very least, like, I'm pretty set on this path of becoming a doctor, but I think what I'll try to do is find an outlet to um, cater to my passion for storytelling. And when I was at UCSB, there were a couple of really cool groups. Like, there were these multimedia groups, and one was called Hail to the Peace, and I think one was, like, the Multicultural Drama Company, and they would put on these really cool multimedia shows that were, like, one-act skits, and, um, like, little short films and fake commercials, and, like, <laughs> it was just really fun, and everyone would get together and write them and shoot them and film them, and they charge five bucks, and we'd, you'd have this really awesome multimedia show right there on campus. And I was terrified, but I signed up for it, and I really enjoyed it, and I think it was actually through one of the members of the group that I... Uh, I heard about the internship that wound up bringing me to L.A. You know, I started to really consider, you know, I actually really enjoy doing this, and I think I owe it to myself to kind of give it a shot to explore. Um, It's actually funny, like, to actually be honest, I had a lot of guilt about it, but I had a very interesting conversation with my mom where, you know, I felt like, you know, having, we won the lottery to be here, I have to do something that's going to be really grand and 
meaningful. And I can't be like, oh, I won the lottery. Now I'm going to be an actor. Like, that doesn't really translate very well to a Nigerian family. So, <laughs> um, but my mom was surprisingly really supportive. And she said, you know, like, you think you won the lottery. That means that you, um, that means that I want you to kind of just make the most of being here and explore what you're really drawn to, which I, I, and she sort of took that back a little bit later and was like, so you don't want to be a doctor. There's always no <laughs> <laughs> Um So anyway, I ended up moving to LA and I like started off, I wanted to just kind of learn about the business as much as possible. So I did a production internship. I would just kind of intern everywhere while I was, you know, finishing up my courses for school. And eventually what happened is, I was in some random, I don't know, someone like mentioned to me that their agent was looking for new clients and I had just taken photos and I met the agent and, and they wound up signing me. Like something just sort of happened, not easily, but they, they worked out, you know. Nice. Um, and then not too long after I got the opportunity for my first um, feature film audition. And Which I was? Um, it was the. It was called "I Can Do Battle by Myself," mm-hmm. and I, and then I wound up getting that. So, and then I freaked out and ran away, and I pulled a Dave Chappelle and left Hollywood. <laughs> you were back, did, you, did you go to Africa too? Yeah, I, I was gone for like. <laughs> did you go to Africa as well? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I went to Nigeria for like six months. So uh-huh. I was worried. They're like, "What is?" happening what are you doing i think i was just like i don't know if show business is for me i think i'm too shy for this business and um (laughs) i just you know i like i got i gotten um a lot of great opportunities and i was really fortunate with my first film it was a lot of exposure and it was a lot of attention but i think i didn't feel i think i tend to i had this i think i had this sort of like i don't know have you heard of like imposter syndrome Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feel like I'm waiting for someone to be like, haha, gotcha. Not supposed to be here, you know. Oh. So, um, but I think what happened with me though is that I needed to kind of feel like I wasn't just flowing in this current. I needed to kind of feel a sense of purpose behind what I'm doing, rather than just existing at the mercy of the business and what opportunities sort of pop up. You know, I'm a very proactive person. I'm very um, like I get very excited and enthusiastic about things, I needed to find some kind of more, a much more meaningful purpose beyond, um, beyond just like, ooh, great new dress and check out this premiere or, or you know, like this is who I know, which is what a lot of um, the industry felt like for mm-hmm. me. And, I'm, and again, not being very... Um, not being quite the introvert at first, it, it was hard for me, so... I, yeah, so I ended up going back to um, to Nigeria for a bit, but that kind of really turned things around, and I feel like I came back to the business a bit, uh, a bit more focused and having a clear sense of what I'm doing here and why I'm here and why this is, like, a bit more, certainly more certain about it being what I want to do. Now, for your first, for your first film, I mean, you had, you worked with, Really, really good actors, and of course Tyler Perry, Taraji P. Henson, Brian White. Uh, what was that like uh, working with those real professional actors on a project like this? It was extremely overwhelming. 
Um, and I don't think, I remember when I heard that I got the film, I didn't think it was real at all. Like, I just, and I, it wasn't even until I got to set, um, I think, no, it wasn't until I got to the studios, and I remember they, like, handed me my contract, and I burst into tears, because it was, you know, oh my gosh, this is, you know, this is actually happening, but, and I think this was, this was Taraji's first film after she got nominated for her Oscar um, and she, she was just really lovely and super friendly. Like, she's just like she seems. She's very outspoken. She's very, um, very much the life of the party. But she really just, you know, made it really fun. Um, I walked away with some really great friends, people that I still keep in touch with even now. And, like, I think it's something that I'll always have, you know, go back to uh, as a as sort of like a sacred first experience. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm and, really grateful that I that I got there. I mean, you know, like I still get people to this day saying, "How did that happen? How did you get like, you know, a lead role in a feature?" Like I was completely nobody. So I'm always going to be grateful to um, Tyler Perry for giving me that first shot, especially with such a meaty role. That that really happened. So uh, yeah, it meant a lot to me. It still does. What advice did your mom give you when it was over and you went to Africa and you, you know, were so confused about what next? Oh, there's always nursing. (laughs) 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 Um, You know, she's just, you know, she just wants us to be, like, secure and safe and she worries about, especially my sister and I, like, especially since we were both pre-med and then we both became, like, writer performers. So I think everyone is just like, what happened? What did you do to those kids? And my mom is even more shy than, you know, than I can be. And it's very, (laughs) we're just like, we don't know where the performer instinct came from. But both of her kids are, you know, we're both in the business. So So when you came back, what was your next movie then? The next film I did, um, almost. Right away, actually, I went to Indonesia for a couple of months, and we filmed, I filmed a project. Uh, at the time, it was called The Philosophers, but I think it ended up being After the Dark. And it just came out earlier this year, and that was a pretty cool experience. You know, I, I don't know when next I'll ever get to spend two months in Indonesia and getting to travel all over the country and experience it. That was a pretty one-of-a-kind experience. And what was your character in that one? My character, you know, it's funny. The the character, originally the character's name was Shana. But when I met the director, the director was, like, really interested in the fact that I'd just gotten back from Nigeria. And, you know, I am from Nigeria. And he was like, ooh, why don't we make the character Nigerian? You know, and so I got to, and he even asked me for a list of Nigerian names. And I gave him a few, and he ended up going with Omosiri, and we, and that's what the character's name was, and so I just played a Nigerian exchange student um, as one of the students in the classroom. And did you have to do much research for playing a Nigerian? I mean, I am Nigerian. <laughs> 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 it wasn't really, it wasn't, I mean, and it wasn't, it was just that that's just the character's background. It wasn't particularly like, okay, this really functions <laughs> in profound way. It was just a background thing. You're like, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was excited to kind of like, oh, I guess to represent a little, you know, that's cool. Now, um, now we were talking in the pre-chat about a, a Kickstarter, uh, a successful Kickstarter campaign. Can you tell us uh, about it and uh, what, uh, 
what the project is as well. Uh, yeah, the, the project is called Solace, and basically it's a it's like a coming of age tale. It's written and directed by Chaiko Omawale. Um, she's a friend of mine. I met her through uh, filming the. She approached me to do the short film um, a few years ago, and that's how we met and became friends. And the film did pretty well around the festival circuit. And she decided to expand it into a feature and just did the Kickstarter and went and raised, you know, beyond her, her goal. And, yeah, we just finished the Kickstarter, I believe, last week. And, you know, so she's pretty excited. I'm pretty I'm excited for her. Um, it's a film that kind of touches on topics that aren't necessarily addressed um, commonly. Um, you know, the, it's about a young girl who's... Uh, She's sort of idealistic, but very ethically and politically driven, and she's sent to live with some estranged relatives after her father dies. And, these, you know, these are relatives that she has nothing in common with, and she doesn't really know, and her mom passed when she was really young. And so she strikes up a friendship with her neighbor, who happens to be a very troubled girl, and that friendship tends to kind of lead to... It, it leads to a very... Um, like a series of interesting events, but that end up affecting both of the girls um, mm -hmm. in very transformative ways. And it's about the things we turn to for solace to cope for cope with our difficulties and just you know um, the things that we have to face growing up or just generally in life. And and it also addresses just things that we that often have a white face to them, like you know eating disorders or cutting and. Um, sort of like unhealthy coping mechanisms and often I think within either the black community and, and actually even quite a few ethnic communities that the it's sort of brushed aside or it's thought to we just want yeah we'll just pray we'll just pray it away, we'll pray the bad away or we pretend it doesn't really exist. But it's something that's experienced universally and so I think Chico she draws from her experiences. She had an eating disorder and she's in recovery, and she um, draws from her experiences to kind of tell the story. So, so you're essentially playing her? No, I'm not playing her. This is it's fictional. But oh, okay. It's, um, right. it's inspired by um, like some of her experiences and experiences from friends. It's a fictional tale. Okay, so it seems like you're going to have to get to some real dark places uh, during this film. And, uh, you know, so I, I know a lot of actors, it, it can be very draining emotionally and physically. So how, as an actress, do you keep that on the set? Or is that something, or when you play a character, are you that character for the run of, of uh, playing it? You know, everybody approaches it differently. And I definitely don't feel like there's an absolute right way to take on, you know, heavy or emotional um, characters. But I know that for me... I, you know, some actors, they feel like they're living the character completely and that's who they are and, or they're substituting and using their personal pain and experiences. I, you know, I tend to feel very, um, I mean, I've explored a lot of different approaches, but I find that what works best for me, I, for me personally, I don't feel comfortable using my personal experiences as something just to get a result of like crying or tears or something mm -hmm. so I feel like you know I've dealt with those things and I've found perspective on those things and just for the sake of a result I don't think it's necessarily healthy for me 
to use that just for, um, ta-da, and, <laughs> right. you know, like, it just doesn't work for me. So, you know, and I remember there was a time where I, was, I thought, okay, great, like, I found perspective and dealt with things that I had trouble with. Does this mean I can't act anymore? <laughs> but, right. um, but no, like, I think someone said something that really um, resonated with me, and I said, you know, when you look at a character, when you're performing, um, when you're performing a character, you, you have to kind of see yourself as an ambassador for that person. You're speaking on their behalf. And so that's something that is easier for me to access, empathizing with uh, someone else's experience and bringing that to life. I'm very easily moved by, um, you know, it's kind of like, for example, um, hey, like, have you seen Humans of New York on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, like, I, you know, every other post on Humans of New York, like, brings me to tears, you know, and that's, that's like, and most people have that reaction. It's like empathy, you know, and so I kind of look at my characters, like, from, I, I will take on a character and I'll say, do I empathize with this character? Do, is there something within them that, that resonates with me and how can I find a way to authentically share that with an audience that they feel what I felt when I read the script? And so that that's how I approach it. I don't really have like a specific technical thing. I just I just try to make sure that it feels right and it feels authentic to me. Like if I believe it and I buy it then that's good enough for me. Everyone's gonna take whatever it is that they take from it. It sounds like a, it's gonna be a really good movie. I can't wait to see it. I was gonna ask you, um, is this the first time you've actually tried to uh crowdfund something through Kickstarter? Because it's um, one of my secret addictions, I have to say. I love oh, Kickstarter. Really? Have yeah. You, oh, okay. Are you? Have you like raised for personal projects or just supporting projects? I have just supported projects. Oh, that's amazing. Chico does that. My friend yeah. always like just throwing. I think I just put her out there, and everybody's gonna be asking her for money. But, <laughs> um, um, but yeah, she she supports lots and lots of projects. I think it's fantastic. I I um, she did a k- Kickstarter for for the short version and successfully raised those funds. And also I did an Indiegogo campaign. Um, I produced a one-woman show that starred my sister, Liz Femi, who actually just got nominated for an NAACP Theater Award yesterday. Oh, nice. Awesome. Congratulations. Best one-woman show. Yeah, and we're all, like, freaking out. That's probably what those beeps you keep hearing. I think they're notifications on Facebook (laughs) hearing the news. Congratulations. Um, yeah, yes. I'm so proud of her. I'm so excited. Um, so, yeah, we did a successful uh, fundraiser to put that show on, and we launched it at the Hollywood Fringe Festival last year, and mm-hmm. it did really well, and it won lots of awards. And so that was, that's been the closest and most personal experience I've had with it, and it's terrifying, but really, like, fun, you know. Did you? Okay. Go ahead. Did you find that um, it was people that you knew or that it really did branch out to total strangers? It's a mix. Like, I think I think it's a mix, but definitely a lot from people that you know. And I think you forget how many people you actually know until you put yourself out there. So, um, but there, you know, there was a lot of those different sources of press coverage and that lets you... Um, support from people that we have no idea that we had no idea about and it also and from acquaintances that you know you'd never have considered to be so enthusiastic or supportive of your project so I I think I think it depends on the type of project but 
at least from my experience, it was definitely a mix, but skewing on the side of people that we knew. Okay. It's funny, though, that uh, the issue of crowdsource funding comes up because uh, next Thursday, programming note, we will be doing a show dedicated to crowdsource uh, funding. So uh, oh. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> is it that, um, is it to, what, what, what will the show entail? Is it going to cover specific projects that are fundraising or just talking about it in general as a tool? Um, talking about it as a tool, we have a, a, a woman named Alexia Anastasio. She's a, uh, a independent filmmaker, and she's a crowdsource funding uh, specialist. And she does seminars on how to successfully run campaigns and such. And she's gonna she's gonna break it down, you know, h- how to run a successful crowdsource funding campaign, as well as do's and don'ts and and that kind of thing. So she has run many successful ones. So she was the person that definitely to have on to talk about it. Okay. Okay. Cool. Wow. Hey, Hope. Yes. Before we get off of the topic, though, where can people find this uh, one-woman show? Oh, you can go to takemetothepoorhouse.com. Okay. Yeah, it's about. It's actually about growing up in Nigeria. It's really cute, and it's told from the perspective of a seven-year-old girl. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in the poorhouse, <laughs> but it wasn't in Nigeria. <laughs> it was Los Angeles. It's just about a girl that dreams of becoming poor because she thinks being poor gives you character. And <laughs> <laughs> I must have a lot of character. I have a lot of character then. <laughs> it's really funny, and and then it ends up happening, and then it's like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Not as fancy as I thought it would be. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I I have to, uh, we have to go to the last ship because uh, um, I I remember tuning in for the premiere of Fallen Skies, uh, a show that I've been watching since it started, and uh, not, not being totally excited for the last ship. It was one of those things where I was kind of bored, so I decided just to go ahead and watch it, and man, I'm so glad I did. That show is one of the best new shows on television. And they just did, you know, TNT does a excellent job with their original programming. So I don't know why I was uh, leery about watching it, but uh, it's a it's a great show. And for those who haven't seen the show before we get into your particular character, can you just give us a, a brief overview of of the synopsis of, of the television series? So, OK, The Last Ship, it's another post-apocalyptic drama. Um it's kind of like sci-fi meets your, like, warfare. I don't, the way I like to describe it is I think of it sort of like The Walking Dead meets Battlestar Galactica, but on water. So <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, a post-apocalyptic world, but the old world doesn't exist, so we're kind of, like, laying, like, the, everything's sort of up in the air into, in terms of how the what rules are we going to follow, how are things going to properly unfold and so it's this naval ship that was in in radio silence um doing some experiments for i think about four months and when they come back the world that as they knew it ceases to exist and they're sort of the last semblance of order um that's out there um and then, yeah it's just there's a virus that sort of decimated the population and so it's kind of like a free-for-all everyone's out to get each other and everyone's desperate for the cure um, yeah. Now, 
I'm going to I'm going to have you uh, expand on your character, but I just want to say and if you haven't seen the show, this might be a little bit spoiler. So, uh, you know, put your fingers in your ear for about 20 seconds. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'll try to like uh, But but no, I'll, I'll say this. I think I might have a way of saying it that could be intriguing without giving it too <laughs> Well, I just wanted to say that your character is a is a badass. It being oh, that, you know, she is a person who she she's the only person that we know of that is immune to the naturally immune okay, to the just, virus. You just straight up gave it away then. Oh well. Hello. Well, I mean, look, you should have been watching it. Okay, the show's great. The season finale was a month ago. She may or may not be, you know. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, so we'll, we'll, I guess we'll kind of just see. <laughs> she, she's her her character is very important. She comes in, but uh, yeah, she's she's a she's a great character, and and uh, so how would you describe her? Besides that fun fact about your character, how would you describe her? <laughs> so the, um, I would say okay. Her name is Bertrice, and she's Jamaican, and she's a young girl that was working at a hotel that her family ran, and um, she's basically lost absolutely everything. She's she's been um, to get away from the virus. Her and I think about fifty other people, including her father uh, and her twin brother, went on a houseboat, but everyone progressively started dying around her until eventually she was the only one that was left um, on the fishing boat and it was sinking and so she's desperately you know crying out for help to be rescued and then eventually the USS Nathan James which is the naval ship that the show is based on based or is set in uh, they pick up the distress call and you know take a lot of risk um, under the presumption that I might be immune uh, to come and rescue me, and then, as you have revealed, it turns out to be the case, and so they they develop um, a vaccine for well, the virus. See, now I didn't give that, up that part. That was you. Uh, <laughs> I was going to leave that part out. <laughs> and then it's well now. Now what's what's where the show ended in the first season is um, we don't know. Like, is the vaccine really going to work? That's true. What what else is at stake? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to all of us? Like, if, you know, the, the finale is kind of leaves a lot of questions because you think, oh, they got the vaccine, Great all right? Finale, like, by the way. Is, is that the end of the show? It's like, oh no, there's there's actually quite the can of worms that's been opened. Great so, f- finale, and congratulations! It's been it's been picked up for uh, the second, for the second season. season. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it was a huge hit. It it was a ratings. It did excellent with the that's ratings. Top rated new cable sh- series. Yeah, congratulations. Um, yeah, that's pretty fantastic because they definitely worked really, really hard on it. They shot the pilot a while ago. Like, they didn't shoot the rest of the episodes until a year after they shot the pilot. And <laughs> definitely production's very complicated because we shoot on a real naval base and on a real destroyer. And so we have to kind of, you know, um, acquiesce to the, like, the Navy's, availability <laughs> it's sort of uh, their discretion and, and but they work really nicely with the show they're really i think they've been incredibly generous we've got real naval officers as extras um they and we've got consultants on set and it's really it's like i i'm really grateful for it because i don't think it ever has the opportunity to be so up close with you know seeing some of the 
the things that actually come to see and fight on our behalf and protect us and getting to talk to these people who live this life every day. It's, it's crazy kind of just being in that environment, you know. Yeah. I've I've been really uh on this show as well as just in conversation with people really beating the drum about people checking this show out because it was a quite because there's a lot of post-apocalyptic shows on television but mm-hmm. this one i feel like even though you, you draw the comparisons to to battle uh, star galactica or even the walking dead uh this one is very unique in the way that it plays out and um i thought i just think the acting is really good the uh you know it visually looks great and uh, i learned quite a bit uh, with the, the whole naval, you know, ship protocols and stuff like that, I thought they do a great job of keeping the action flowing, and it's very action-packed and very intense. And, oh yeah. And one thing that's so great about the show is there is like there's moral dilemmas that are on the show, like you know what would you do in certain situations and stuff like that. And I thought that makes the show very good as well. Yeah, it's always it's always kind of keeping you on the edge. And I think one thing that sets it apart is that it's it's kind of plausibly relevant. Like, you know, a lot of people, the timing of the Ebola virus um, kind of, you know, exploding uh, and the the show, it suddenly became a a plausible concern that whatever virus came and, you know, really kind of did some serious damage. I think, you know, obviously the Ebola situation is much smaller, but it definitely put that concern in minds and you know, the speculation of what would happen with biowarfare and, and that sort of thing and how would we cope with it and what is ethically right or, you know, and, and would we, if, if what we know as a government falls apart, how would we rebuild? How would we kind of start over? Do we adhere to the old rules or are we just kind of going to make it a free-for-all and all kind of Wild West and crazy? I don't know. But it's interesting to see people kind of turning, turning that over in their minds. The fans of the show are, are very, very um, enthusiastic and love, love. I love reading the, the live comments when the show's airing. It's really cool to see. So when you're out and about, what do people recognize you for? You know, you know what happens to me a lot? A lot of people think I used to work with them or went to school with them or <laughs> they're just so sure. Are you sure you didn't? Are you sure you're not from blah, blah, blah? <laughs> it's just the work here. Are you sure? I get a lot of people recognizing me from I Can Do Battle by Myself um, or even, you know, the odd guest star here and there. But people just are just so <laughs> serious about thinking I used to work with them. It's really funny. But, um, but that happens to me quite a lot. Now, um, your character, uh, going back to the last ship, uh, it's unclear to me at least uh, the age of your character um, I know you're an adult woman, but uh, what is your, what's the age your character is supposed 18. to be? She's 18. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I wasn't quite sure uh, what age that you were playing on there. So, okay. That's good to know. She's 18 years old. So she's, she's, uh, she's an adult. <laughs> that, that's good. So. so what's your next project? My next project, uh, well, as of right now, the solace is a couple of other things that are being talked about, but Solace is the first thing that's been confirmed, and then depending on how things unfold with the last ship, um, there's that, and then I'm working on, like, my own, like, the my multimedia projects uh, that we, I think we mentioned that briefly. 
Oh, that was, no. that was a pre-chat. Yeah, that was in the pre-chat. So pre-chat. tell us about the multimedia project. <laughs> okay, so I'm a, I'm like, I'm a multimedia entrepreneur, if you will, and I've gotten really enthusiastic about the tech industry. And um, and in the past, I, this is actually what happened when I went when did my little Dave Chappelle <laughs> in Nigeria for six months. I got really excited about producing and writing. And I also got really excited about finding ways to make a tangible and meaningful impact that are accessible to everyone. And something I'm really passionate about is literacy. I really feel like it's something that can bridge the gap on a lot of issues um, that affect people around the world, not just in third world countries, but even here in the States. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I mentioned from Nigeria, and, you know, Nigeria, it's supposed to be a democracy, but in, in many ways, because of things like the literacy gap that kind of really limits the effectiveness of uh, it being a, a, an actual democracy, and you see that in, in many, many um, third world countries around the world. Um, and instead of, and things like, you know, corruption and the difficulties within politics, like that's a really huge thing to tackle. That's not my personal thing. So I thought, what's a way that I can actually help, uh, you know, support and promote effective change? I thought, okay, how can, and that's how I got tied into the literacy thing. And so I think giving people the tools to be able to read or write uh, would, is something that would give them the ability to advocate for themselves and participate in meaningful change that affects them. So while I was there, I had the idea for this project called, that I call Local Literati, literati meaning anyone with a passion for reading or writing, and so I've created a website and a mobile application, and it's basically an entertainment hub for avid readers, and ultimately it's a platform to promote literacy, and the website's live right now, the tagline's Reading Life to the Fullest, um, and it's just meant to be all in good fun. It's really new. I launched it at Comic-Con this summer, and we're just kind of unfolding, you know, new features out um, here and there. And there's, there's going to be a lot of really fun aspects coming out in the new year, including the mobile app version, um, really cool new features, a lot of great new interviews, and eventually a podcast. So I'm really excited about it. I'm working with friends and, and a few other people that are uh, – contributing as well so I'm hoping that it'll be something that'll be fun but would also you know have an impact in terms of like promoting literacy as well sounds great now will people be able to read books that are on this app no it's just it's an entertainment hub so there'll be like literary there's some oh my gosh okay so there's (laughs) what I call the literati lineup which are really fun Articles that are crowdsourced and curated from the literary landscape, if you will. Original articles and crowdsourced articles. Mm -hmm. um, And some from contributing editors. And then there's what I call the literati dialogues. And the dialogues are a series of audio, video, and transcript interviews with anyone of prominence in any field that can attribute a part of their success to a passion for reading or writing. Um, Cool. And so the goal is to, like, highlight more meaningful role models. And then we'll also keep track of anticipated literary adaptations to film or TV. So, um, and, you know, and the affiliates of anticipated adaptations, and we'll do interviews with them as well. And there's, like, really fun features like a quiz that diagnoses what sort of literati type you are, and there's five literati profiles. Um, and, oh, and I also keep track of what I call literati hotspots. And a literati hotspot is a fantastic place to go to read 
write, or purchase literary essentials that only a local would know about, hence the name. Ah, I love that. And it's really fun. Like, they're, each of the hotspots, they're crowdsourced, and people submit them from all over the world. And they show up as a postcard, and they're geotagged. So there's a little map, and it lists the hotspots according to their amenities. And the amenities are really specific. Like, is there free Wi-Fi or paid Wi-Fi? Is there indoor or outdoor seating? Um, is it pet-friendly? You know, um, is there free parking or paid parking? Stuff that, like, I always have the problem of, oh, I need to go get some work done, or I want to go find a great place to read or write. And I always get so excited when I find a really fantastic cafe that, you know, isn't Starbucks or Barnes & Noble. Like, it's always nice when you find that little cool independent bookstore or cafe that... Oh, I love those, yeah. ...your local would know of. And, and since I travel a lot, I'm always kind of collecting them. And I remember being in a cab one day in Nigeria and thinking, man, I wish there was just a way to, you know, when you travel, to connect with, like, the local literati. And I thought, ooh, I like that. Let me get that domain. And so, and that's kind of how it started. And eventually it's going to expand to include events as well. So I'll be, um, there'll be crowdsourced and original events that we develop um, that would appeal to the literary audience. That's a brilliant idea. basically, like, all aspects of... Anything that entails reading life to the fullest, so just being a super nerd. <laughs> <laughs> that's Yay. a brilliant idea, uh, and kudos to you for going out there and getting it done. Because we all sit back in our, you know, in our easy chairs and think of the ideas, but we never. A lot of us don't take it that far to actually make it happen. So, uh, congratulations for you just getting it, getting out there and getting it done. Thank you, thank you. It's, it's definitely been an adventure and it's definitely been those moments of pulling out my hair and thinking I'm nuts and I still think I'm nuts but I'm I'm enjoying myself when I'm not <laughs> having a heart attack so I don't know it's like you're nauseous and thrilled all the time <laughs> <laughs> probably what being pregnant is like I guess I don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, so we've come to the point of the show that we affectionately like to call Rapid Fire. The way that Rapid Fire works is that me and, and Tara Lynn, we will give you some questions at a, a faster pace. It's a lot of fun. Um, so are, are you up for it? Sure, let's do it. <laughs> All right, so the first question that we always ask is a couple of years ago at Coachella, they had a hologram concert for the rapper Tupac. So what hologram concert would you like to see of an artist that's uh, passed on or a band? Ooh, you know what? Okay, maybe not an artist, but, like, someone speaking. Like, I think it would be really cool to kind of (laughs) – I'm such a dork. I would love to kind of see what Einstein looks like every day. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that is a first. (laughs) Crazy hair. Or, like, Mark Twain, because, you know, he was just so funny. Like, I loved, re- I don't know. Or oh, my dream person that I would love to meet would be Oscar Wilde. Like, in terms of that whole, like, dead or, dead or alive, um, like, have coffee with them. But I guess, I don't know. Let me try to think of someone musically. Maybe Fela, Fela Kuti. Let there me represent Nigeria a little bit. That, um, that, there you go. I'll, I'll be down for that. There's so many. Like, I... I don't know. I'm taking advantage of the question. You can do your rapid fire. Ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good answers. All good answers. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to ask you about one of your uh, vices, maybe. Some might call it a little furry friend. <laughs> okay, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> yes. Um, all my friends will be rolling their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, yeah, so I'm obsessed with uh, a cat called Lil Bub, L-I-L-B-U-B. Lil Bub is famous, okay? <laughs> um, and Lil Bub is the only celebrity I would say I've genuinely been starstruck since <laughs> meeting. Um, I don't know how, what turned me on to this cat. I don't know, but I just, I saw a picture of the cat one day. And I just burst out laughing, and I couldn't stop because I thought it was fake. I, I didn't believe it was real. And then I learned more about the cat, and then I actually saw a documentary about <laughs> this cat, and I was sobbing um, <laughs> and laughing. And it ended up winning, like, I think the best documentary at the Tribeca Film Festival. Um, and I just, I mean, I'm not like, you know, I just, I see the cat as, like, you know, Lil Bob is known as the world's cutest cat. And I just really think she's really cute. And no matter, like, you could be having the absolute worst day. You can't look at that face and, like, stay annoyed. That face is ridiculous. I mean, I know you see it on my Skype profile. <laughs> like, I just, I look at that face and it always just makes me smile. And it always reminds me, like, okay, you really can't. Just don't take things too seriously. Just kind of, you know, try to roll with it and try to be as blissful as Bub seems to be all the time. It's a good message. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's so your favorite guilty pleasure junk food. Ooh, okay. Ah, oh, God, which one? I don't know. Oh, yes. Okay. I am obsessed with, I don't know if you've ever heard of Chocomilo. Mm-mm. So, okay. So my aunt just brought me packs and packs of this. So if you Google Choco and then the word M-I-L-O, Chocomilo, it's like, it's sort of like, Almost like Ovaltine, it's like a chocolate drink, um, you know, that's really popular in Nigeria. But they also have this version of it that's these chocolate cubes. It's like powdered cubes. Mm. Um, and they're like a sugar cube? It's like, yeah. like, it's like a sugar cube, but it's compressed like powder, <laughs> chocolate mm-hmm. powder. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Beyond that. And if you just Google Chocomilo cubes or something, you'll see it online. And I just take it too far like I will eat the whole bag it's and I'm always begging my friends from Nigeria to send me Chocomilo and they think I'm joking and I'm like I really am desperate for it and my aunt finally you know when she came to visit this summer she brought me like six or seven bags or something so and I, I had to promise that I wouldn't finish it all in a week <laughs> I mean I've been traveling so that's the only reason I haven't but yeah, I just got home, so we'll see. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask, sports. Do you have a favorite sport you like to watch? I Growing up, I really liked wrestling. <laughs> I really, I was such a poem, I really liked, like, um, wrestling. Um, I'm not into it now at all. I love the Olympics. I'm more like a seasonal sport watcher. I don't get too into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of... Yeah, like, I didn't, like, is it football season? I have no idea, like, when anything's going on, sports-wise. I, the only thing I get excited about is the Olympics, and I think that's pretty much it. (laughs) Now, this question is asked by all of our guests, and uh, you're based out of Los Angeles, right? Mm Mm-hmm, currently, yes. Okay, so this is what you have to do is, a young man wants to take a young lady out on a date in Los Angeles, so you have to give him tips on the best date that he can take a young lady out on so uh and this date will be taking place in the evening so give us uh okay. hope's idea of the perfect date my idea of the perfect date <laughs> okay. well okay let's see 
I'm not really big on the whole like traditional dating approach. I kind of think that things are changing. Um, but if you were, is it? Oh, okay, fine. Uh, bookstore. No, no, no. Let it. Let help. Oh my God! I would be like, let's go to the bookstore. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's go to the bookstore and bring the five books that like you've enjoyed the most. And you each bring them, and you get to kind of chat about and have coffee about, oh, my God, I can't wait to do this with some, ooh. Okay, and, <laughs> um, and yeah, you can talk about, like, why you like the books specifically, what you enjoyed, and, you know, and they don't have to be, like, the most, like, highbrow, like, whatever. They could just be really fun and silly or just, or just whatever, whatever's impacted you for any reason. I think that's a great way to get to know someone, like, what's really influenced their thinking. And there's no pressure. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. You can just sit and chat and see a little bit of who they are. And you can do that almost anywhere. Yes, I'm very proud of that answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I like it. So the next date I go on, because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in Los Angeles, so I'm going yeah. to take, take you, young lady, on the Hope Wilson date. That's what I'm going to say. And you know what? I think it'll tell you a lot about them really quickly because it's like, I mean, I don't see it as a high-pressure thing. Ben, me, I'd be like, I'd be so excited <laughs> to do that. But I think you see, getting to see what influences a person and what excites them and specifically, like, I think that's a great no-pressure way to get to know a person without any of the sort of cliche, you know, approaches. Yeah. All right. I like it. You like it, Tara? Yeah, I have to say that I love bookstores. I could sit there and relax for hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and like you said earlier for your local literati, I always find the niche ones that are like super thin hallways but then like come out into rooms full of books all over the walls. Do you have any hot spots that you can share? I totally do. Well, in Ohio here, yeah. Okay, like the hotspots are, are, you know, worldwide. So if you've got any, let me know, and I'll, like, add them to the site, or you're welcome to share them yourself. Cool. Cool. Now, um, now uh, your app, is it uh, available right now? No, the app has been completed, but we're planning on releasing it in the new year. Okay, cool. So uh, keep on a lookout for Literati, and maybe we can have you back on once it, that and Solace comes on, comes out so we can uh, talk more about it. That would be excellent. And um, how can people uh, get in contact with you, uh, either Twitter or Facebook? You can um, – I mean, I my Twitter handle is Hope Alida. It's my first and middle name, so it's H-O-P-E-O-L-A-I-D as in dog E. And also local literati, L-O-C-A-L-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I, um, or localliterati.com. Yeah, I'm fairly accessible through either of those platforms. All right. And uh, Tara Lynn, how can people get you? Yeah, I am Tara Gravoy on uh, Twitter and Tara Lynn Gravoy on Facebook. Check it out. Yes, and you can, get, you can follow me at Kente F. Uh, programming note. Tomorrow, of course, we'll, we actually have two Hell on Wheels episodes. Uh, we have uh, our pre-show, and we'll be joined by actress Sarah Canning. And uh, we have our uh, review show post at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 uh, Eastern uh, for the television series Hell on Wheels. Monday, we'll have another Mars-Venus episode. 
and then the title of that one's called What's Beauty? And uh, Tuesday we'll be joined by actor Peter Benson on our Hell on Wheels show. And next Thursday, as we said before, that uh, we'll be uh, covering crowdsource funding. So uh, that'll be excellent as well on the regular Spotlight show. So we're having a great week of programming here at IndieRadio.org. Make sure you guys get on out and check it out. Uh, of course, we'll be tweeting and Facebooking all of our all of these <laughs> events. So uh, once again, we want to thank you, uh, Miss Wilson, for coming on the show. And as you know, as I think people got the idea that I'm a big fan of The Last Ship, so I'm looking forward to that season two. Uh, it should be excellent the way things uh, finished off with season one. So looking forward to that. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. So, Thanks for joining us. Uh, what that said is we'll, you guys have a great weekend, and we'll catch you next time on the Spotlight Hollywood Edition. I'm Kente. And I'm Terilyn. Catch you next time.